Whether you are starting a business or running a business, maybe you are producing a podcast like The Kara Golden Show. Let's face it, it's always way harder than one might expect. Lots of little details, meticulous planning, producing product, guest coordination, editing, promoting each episode. It's all a ton of work. Managing merchandise, managing cases and book sales too, layer after layer of complexity. And if you're like me, looking for ways to operate more efficiently and effectively is the name of the game. That's why I'm going to let you in on a little secret. ShipStation, the tool that is here to help you and you need to know all about it. With ShipStation, you can integrate with all the places you sell online, optimize your shipping, save costs and time. Personally, ShipStation has been a lifesaver for me. Its automation features allow me to manage orders from anywhere and print shipping labels with just a click. Seriously, it's that easy. And the cost savings? Unbelievable. With discounts up to 89% off carrier rates, you can't go wrong. Significant savings. And who doesn't want that? An easy-to-use dashboard, robust reporting. Oh, and did I mention that over 130,000 companies have leveraged ShipStation to grow their businesses? Not much churn either. 98% of them stay with ShipStation because it truly works. ShipStation is it. So if you're ready to streamline your shipping process and focus more on what you love, head over to ShipStation.com, the innovative tool that helps turn your shipping challenges into opportunities for growth. Go to ShipStation.com and use code CARA to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, code CARA. Use code CARA for a free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CARA. I am unwilling to give up, that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes to get where I want to be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Kara Golden Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from The Kara Golden Show, and I'm thrilled to have my next guest here. We have Seth Goldman, who is the co-founder and CEO of Eat the Change. Uh, I actually know Seth from very long ago when we shared a distributor (laughs) in New York City, uh, Big Geyser, and we used to see each other as we were getting there early in the morning to... uh, get those cases on the trucks uh, to go out to New York City for everyone to drink when he was uh, at Honest and very, very thrilled to get him on the show today to hear about his journey. Not only is he the co-founder of Eat the Change, but the co-founder of Plant Burger and chair of the board of Beyond Meat. And so he has incredible experience, and we're going to hear a lot more about what he's done to not only create these incredible companies, but also just 
the overall his mission to really help the planet change it for the better and uh, by doing that with incredible products and in some cases, incredible entrepreneurs um, as well. So thanks f- for coming on, Seth. Great to be with you, Kara. So nice to <laughs> reconnect after uh, those days at Big Geyser. Yeah. Definitely. So yeah, we both used to see each other at the distributorship in New York, the good old days. But um, before you created um, that success and sold it, uh, share a bit more about who was Seth Goldman as a kid? (laughs) I was certainly active. I was doing all types of different activities. I was in singing groups and sports teams and student government. And I realized at the time in musicals, um, so I was kind of a multitasker uh, even at an early age. And yeah, I probably did some studying along the way as well, but my parents were both academics. And so they were often, I don't want to say critical, but surprised that I wasn't spending as much time in my schoolwork as I was in doing all these other activities. But I did take those activities seriously. So for me, that was, you know, work as well. And I think the other piece is I always thought of myself as an activist. And what I mean by that is that issues I care about, I really want to do something about. And so I've found a way in all the work that I've done to make sure that it's purpose-driven work, whether it's about the environment or about labor conditions in the developing world and, or about diet. These are things that I ingrain into the purpose of the businesses. So I think of myself, I guess, as an activist in an entrepreneur's body. That's incredible, incredible combo for sure. And I definitely <laughs> saw that when you were running Honest Tea. But share a little bit more about where did the inspiration come for come from for that company? And and uh, yeah, well, I was at a stage where I was really eager to find the right idea. I I knew I wanted to go create something. I was working in a a mutual fund company in Bethesda, Maryland. And I enjoyed the work. It was a, it was called Calvert and they did socially screened investments. So they weren't investing in tobacco or companies with bad environmental records, but that was, and I enjoyed that work, but it was kind of passive. You know, I I said, rather than be the investor, I want to be the actor. I want to be the activist who's, you know, helping create different models and helping change behavior. So I was just trying to find the right business. And I actually got to a place where I actually had a few different ideas, and I'll share them with you since you're an yeah, entrepreneur and yeah. can appreciate it. One idea was to launch an organization that helped public schools raise money from alumni, right? So when we look at, you think about how private schools raise ridiculous amounts of money, especially high schools, from their alums, and there's there's more wealth held by the alums of public schools. They just never have a way to organize it. And so that was an idea I was sort of noodling around. Another idea was for a, um, a, a diagnostic company. When I was at the Yale School of Management, a friend of mine and I had developed a, a business plan that had won a competition. And so could we sort of commercialize that? And then um, kind of out of nowhere, I went to give a presentation in New York City on behalf of the mutual fund company about socially responsible investing. And after the presentation, I went for a run in Central Park. And after the run, I went to a beverage cooler and I said, Wow, there's nothing here for me. And this was this was before honesty and hint existed. So you know what that beverage cooler looked like. And I and I said, this is something I could actually get excited about. And I reached out to my professor from business school, Barry Nailbuff. And and when I had been his student, we had done a case study of the beverage industry. We we both agreed there was something missing. And so that was kind of the catalyst for me to 
take action. I reached out to Barry and he had just come back from India where he had been studying the tea industry and among other things had come up with the name Honest Tea. And that kind of crystallized for me this idea of how to ingrain purpose into, into a brand around tea and a less sweet drink. And then from there, I left my job in the investment world and started out of my house and you know started brewing tea in the kitchen. And, and um, our first break was getting an appointment with Whole Foods in the Mid-Atlantic. And I had five thermoses of tea that we had brewed and, and I got an empty Snapple bottle. I pasted a label on and presented it to the buyer and got that order for 15,000 bottles. That's- How often have you thought about learning a new language only to be stopped by that memory of yours from the last time you tried to learn a language when it didn't go so well? Okay, maybe it wasn't a language that you were interested in learning or perhaps all those poorly written textbooks in your sixth grade class weren't that well written after all. I have a great tip for you. It's called Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program around, available on desktop or app, no matter where you choose to learn it or what platform you choose to learn on, Rosetta Stone works and it truly immerses you in the language you choose to learn, quicker and easier than you ever imagined to. Maybe you're getting ready to travel abroad this summer and you want to learn a bit of Portuguese, let's say, before your trip. Rosetta Stone can help. I know this firsthand as I did just this before traveling to Portugal last year. I learned Portuguese through Rosetta Stone, and by doing so, I not only got a better grasp of the spoken language of Portugal, but it got me very excited for the trip itself before I went. They even have a true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation as you are learning, too. They've got you covered. Rosetta Stone's trusted experts are the real deal. They've been helping people just like you for over 30 years, helping millions of people to learn Spanish, French, Italian, German, Korean, Chinese, Japanese, Dutch, Arabic, Polish, and my favorite, Portuguese. The lessons are five to 10 minutes long and include practical exercises so that you can pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. No English translations either, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in the language you are focused on, helping you get the long-term retention you are looking for. And who wouldn't want that? Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, the Kara Golden Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. In today's world, which I will admit can at times seem filled with too much of the wrong information, it's essential to find a good source that truly gets to the heart of what I want to know. I am super excited about our next sponsor as I've been a big fan of their content for some time now. That sponsor is the Washington Post. Their depth on topics from business to tech isn't just impressive, It's essential reading for me. Whether I'm catching up on the latest tech trends or understanding how the day's news truly impacts my family, the Washington Post is my trusted source. Let's talk specifics. Their business and tech coverage, absolutely top-notch. 
Just imagine having the most insightful articles at your fingertips, including the unparalleled AI reporting from Drew Harwell or the pulse on tech and online culture from Taylor Lorenz. And the best part? You can listen to articles just like you listen to this podcast, making it perfect for your busy lifestyle. I was just reading an article from one of my favorite Washington Post writers, Frances Stead Sellers. She covers entrepreneurs like myself, but also covers other interesting topics, including health, as well as some very interesting books. I also love getting their For You newsletter, which is their roundup of stories tailored just for my interests, right in my inbox every evening. The Washington Post app is super well done, I think, and makes it incredibly easy to stay up to date and follow my favorite journalists on the go. And if you ever thought that the Washington Post is just about politics, think again. They cover everything under the sun, from climate and culture to crosswords and cooking, providing a world of surprising stories and vital insights. Okay, enough of the love fest that I have for the Washington Post. Here's the deal. Being a listener of The Kara Golden Show has its benefits, and this one is too good to miss. Now is the time to sign up for The Washington Post. Go to WashingtonPost.com slash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. That's 80% off their typical offer. So this is truly a steal. Once again, that's WashingtonPost.com backslash Kara Golden to subscribe for just 50 cents per week for your first year. So wild. Oh my God, that's such a great story. And you guys write about that in your book, Mission in a Bottle, that I've read a couple of times. And uh, <laughs> actually, I've gotten to know Barry a little bit as well. And and right. um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really incredible book that uh, you should pick up definitely if you have not read the book it really shares a lot of the story in a very fun way, actually. Yeah. So I, it's a comic book. So so we really wanted to make it have a wide appeal, not just be a sort of standard text. When you first started, honest, did you think, okay, it's a couple years and we're going to be off to the races? Or you know, we really didn't. We hadn't done this before, so we didn't know what to think. We we knew what we wanted to build. We knew the scale of the ambition for the for the brand. We didn't know how to get there, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, as I'm sure you you learned, it, it distributors play a really important role, and we hadn't re- it didn't really even understand that role when we started. Um, so I, I guess we just felt like let's just build something that's meaningful to us and that connects with consumers, and then. Um, sort of underneath that, there's a whole lot of work that has to be done. And we, we, we figured it out along the way, but, um, you know, what's interesting about the beverage industry is that so many of the successful brands are, are created by people who never were in the industry before, Mm -hmm. you know, just like you. Right. And, and it, you just, um, because it starts from a vision that is sort of outside the industry Mm -hmm. and, um, there is a lot to be learned along the way and a lot of pain points around production and around distribution. But I think that vision entering is just so important. And and that's kind of, we knew, we knew what the vision was. We didn't necessarily know how to get there. 
I mention it just because whenever I meet with entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you do as well, I mean, that when I see a plan that says, oh, in four years, we're going to sell the company. And it's, oh, yeah. No, <laughs> nothing like that. It's no. just, I mean, time flies for sure. And, uh, you know, I think the main thing is to focus on the progress that you're making along the way. And yep. I totally agree with you. I mean, how many people, you know, Jerry Camuch, who writes an incredible newsletter called Beverage Business Insights. I remember meeting him at the first trade show and he heard we were from tech and he said, you guys are going to be roadkill for sure. I mean, and I, now I, I remind him of that every time I see yeah. him and, and, um, you know, definitely I think that it's the people to worry about are the ones that really like are the underdogs that more than anything that yeah. have an idea to change something that they really yeah. believe. I mean, you guys in the unsweetened tea industry and, and I'm so curious, like, what did you learn from building Honest? And like, maybe what do you regret? What do you think about in that company that you, that when you <laughs> built it, that years yeah. later you regret? Well, the only real thing I regret, and we tell the story in the book, is that for six years, we owned a bottling plant or a portion of a bottling plant. And it was the six longest years of my life because <laughs> it was um, it was in Pittsburgh and it you know which is about four hour drive from where I am in Bethesda Maryland and I would usually go there and back in a day so I would have these grueling days and all of that energy was focused on um, work that first of all I wasn't particularly well you know good at I wasn't um, passionate about and wasn't building my brand. And it was only after we divested the bottling plant that our growth really started to take off. So for, for me, it was a really important lesson in you know, my leadership, how I spend my time. I've got to do things that I'm passionate about, that I'm doesn't have to be, I, I'm, I'm perfectly willing to learn new skills. I need to learn you know, new skills and be able to adapt. But you know, the, the work at the bottling plant was how do we um, optimize production? How do we find ways to um, you know, get uh, parts at a low price. It just wasn't, and it was real work, but it wasn't any of the work that when I signed on to build a brand, I was, you know, particularly excited about. Yeah. And so eventually, you know, we ended up selling the plant or, or what was the assets of the plant to uh, someone else who took it over and has done quite well with it. But um, for me, the, the real lesson there was make sure you're doing the work um, that you're passionate about that builds your brand. And basically all the rest is kind of, can be a distraction. And I love so, that. Um, and the other lesson, and this is something I still very much think about is the biggest asset um, that I have that I bring to, to a company is my energy. It's not necessarily my time uh, because I was still working on the, you know, the, 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 the company when I was driving there and back, but I it was draining my energy. And so I had, in order for me to be fully present and engaged and excited about the business, I had to not be involved in that bottling plant. And so that was also a really important lesson. And it, it certainly made me feel better about, you know, I, um, I continue to exercise a lot. And for me, it's great. I know, I know it's actually good for the company when I do it, because I've got to make sure I have enough energy to, to really um, inspire and excite the rest of the team. Between running multiple businesses, including recording The Kara Golden Show, I know how hard it can be to keep it all together. And when it comes to administrative tasks like running payroll, you want to do it as quickly and efficiently as possible. Luckily, 
This episode's sponsor, Gusto, helps you handle payroll in just a few clicks. In fact, three out of four customers say it takes 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. Time saved to record another interview or start another business. Gusto helps with the harder stuff too, like filing taxes, compliance, international contractor payments, and more. They also offer a wide range of health and financial benefits so that you can have all of the info you need to make the right decisions for you and your team. In today's busy world, making your life easier is the name of the game. With Gusto, everything you need to pay, manage, hire, and support your great team is in one place. And just for our listeners, Gusto's offering three free months at gusto.com slash Kara. That's gusto.com slash Kara. Hiring great employees and keeping them is part of the growth plan for your business. Trinet offers full-service HR solutions tailored to small and medium-sized businesses so you can retain talent and grow. We're talking access to top benefits, help with compliance and payroll, even when your team is remote or out of state, the works. Because Trinet gets it. Your people matter to your business. Learn more about their HR solutions at trinet.com slash podcast. That's T-R-I-N-E-T dot com slash podcast. Trinet. Incredible starts here. So you sold Honest to Coca-Cola and you stayed on yeah. for a bit to help in. Well, for eight, for eight years. Oh my so gosh, we, we, I didn't realize uh, yeah, it was that right? long. Wow. Yeah. So Coke invested in 2008 and then they bought the company in 2011. But we created an arrangement where I actually held on to a piece of the company through uh, basically 2019. And so um, I still very much acted as if I was, you know, the owner of the company. And, and even, even though I'm no longer uh, connected, I still feel a good sense of ownership of honesty. And I, um, in a, a hopefully a friendly way, I still send notes to the brand manager when I, you know, see our product missing on a shelf where it's supposed to be. And, That's uh, you know, my name is still on the bottle and I still feel that sense of, of ownership. I love that. What do you think is the key thing that entrepreneurs can learn from your experience, you know, integrating your company into a large company? I I really do think the, um, the entrepreneur's presence continues to be important. Um, Obviously most of the time an entrepreneur will, you know, the company will be sold and the entrepreneur may have a few months Uh, as one friend put it to me. He said, well, for the first few months, they want to know what you think. The next few months, they want to know your phone number. After that, they don't want to know you. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and That's what I've I heard think too. it's actually, yeah, but it's also, it, it depends on the stage of the company. So for an early stage company like Honest Tea, it was really important for me to continue to, to be there and to help shape and, and make sure that the brand and the business made decisions consistent with what we were trying to do. It was too easily influenced if, if I wasn't there to stand up for things. And there were plenty of times when I did have to sort of literally meet with the you know president of Coca-Cola North America and say, we, we should not do this or, or we should do this. So by the time I left in 2019, the brand was more formed and, it, and, and all of the things that stood about were kind of guardrails that had been fully established. And so, you know, today I'm still very proud of the brand that Honesty is. It's still, you know, fully organic and fair trade certified for, for the tea. Um, and the kids product is, you know, organic and lower calories. So those things that, that, that uh, we work to embed 
in the brand are there and they're not, they can't really be compromised because they're they're That's what the brand is. Really interesting. So you, so you left and then I don't know if I have the timeline exactly right, but I just all of a sudden saw you as the chairman of a company called Beyond Meat and, yeah. uh, and one of the most successful IPOs, um, of that year, definitely. Um, so did, did I miss anything in between there or how did you get to <laughs> well, be on me? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. So I'll, I'll take a few steps back, back in 2002, I got my first chance to get involved in a, another company besides honesty. And I joined the board of a company that was just forming called Happy Baby. Incredible. Two wonderful uh, entrepreneurs building that business. And I really enjoyed the work as their, a board member there, their first board member and advisor. And, and um, that was got my first chance to have a toe sort of beyond honesty. And I enjoyed that. And then they sold uh, to Danone, I think around 2011-ish or 12. And then I thought, well, okay, what would be another way I could get involved? And in 2012, my wife read an article about this company getting started out in California called Beyond Meat that was seeking to replicate the taste and texture of meat using only plants. And our family has been vegetarian now for 16 years. But at the time, we were vegetarian and often um, disappointed with the choices. Never never regretted the decision, but felt like sometimes <laughs> veggie burgers just were disappointing. Mm -hmm. And so... I sent an email to info at beyondmeat.com and said, you know, if there's any way I can help, I'd you know, be happy to talk. And I got an email back pretty quickly. They needed help in a lot of different ways. And so I became an advisor, board member. And then this is what's unusual. In 2015, I was able to create an unusual arrangement where I worked halftime for Honest Tea and then halftime as executive chair of the board of Beyond Meat. And so... For those next five years, I was able to to play both roles, and um, there was a lot of growth. You know, when I joined Beyond Meat uh, in two thousand as a board member, sales were under a million dollars, and so we we grew uh, really quickly over those next five years, and you know, still growing quite a bit. And it's been a it's been really fun and satisfying to not just um, create tastier <laughs> options <laughs> for dinner, but to take um, such a uh, uh, once again a mission driven business and see it come to scale, see it widely adopted. You know, today we're doing tests with McDonald's and uh, Pizza Hut and, and you know, other national chains, uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. So seeing this real whole movement um, sweep across the world has been really exciting. That is still a founder-led uh, company, yes. and, uh, yeah. which is... Yeah which is really great. Actually, I would love to get him to come on and share a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, Ethan's great. Get yeah. Ethan on here as well. He's I've met him a few times. He's really terrific. So then you co-founded Plant Burger uh, and co-founded Bethesda Green uh, before starting yeah. your company that you're doing right now, Eat the Change. What inspired you besides, I mean, you were living this way, obviously. You wanted yeah. to uh, create plant-based snack foods um, along the way. I mean, what was it that was really like, I got to go do this myself? Yeah, I'll tell you an interesting story. I haven't really talked about this, but I um, uh, around 2020, this was before the whole pandemic, but just sort of toward the end of 2019, I did go through a process of thinking about what is the next stage of my life, what a career, what does that look like? And I I actually did toy with going into politics. I was a government major in college. And so I sort of thought, oh, well, maybe that would be the right next step. And then I thought more about it and, and talked about it with my wife. And, um, you know, we 
thought about climate change being such a defining issue of our time. And, and when we think about if we ever had grandchildren, you know, when people look back, like, what were you doing at that moment? And um, especially seeing a lot of politics kind of just moving back and forth, but not really making impact. I thought, you know, it feels like the right next step for me personally is to go back, even, even though I could have used sort of the honesty transition and, and the, um, you know, I shifted at Beyond Meat from being chair, executive chair of the board to chair of the board, which means I'm not an officer of the company. It could have been the right moment to say, this is a transition where I will take that step into politics. But I said, no, it's, it's, it is the, the, the real next step is to, to go after climate issues in a more focused way, because honesty, while it's certainly through organic ingredients has a clear climate commitment or environmental commitment, it isn't exclusively focused on climate. And so I had gotten approached a few years earlier. I had been on a food panel with um, Spike Mendelson, the chef. Mm -hmm. And like any good salesperson, I brought along some Beyond Burgers and some honest tea in a cooler bag. I snuck it under his chair. I said, you know, I'd love to have these in your stores. And he had, he was carrying on his tea and I didn't know that Spike's wife was a vegan. And so she loved the Beyond Burgers and and he's, you know, Spike has cooked some of the best burgers in the world. You know, he beat Bobby Flay. I mean, sure. he's a, he's a, he's a, <laughs> so uh, he cooked up Beyond Burgers in a way I'd never tasted them before. And I said, that is amazing. And so he said, well, let's create a restaurant called Plant Burger. I was like, wow, that's really exciting. I just have I've never launched a restaurant. I've, I have no, all I've done is seen restaurants, you know, go out of business. I don't know that that's for me. But I introduced him and I was at the time conflicted because I was working at, at Coke and um, Beyond Meat. So I couldn't direct, get involved directly, but I, my wife got involved and then our son got involved oh. uh, as the head of marketing. And um, our son came up with this phrase, eat the change you wish to see in the world. And for me, it was like, wow, that really encapsulates what I think it needs to happen. People need to think about what they eat and understand it is a climate decision. and. So the more I got around that phrase, I thought, okay, well, um, I, I was happy to, um, I, through my transition with Beyond Meat, I was able to join uh, as Plant Burger as a founder. And then working with Spike and on the recipes, I said, there's, there's enough of an idea here and a creativity from a chef that we could create a business called Eat the Change. And the first step was just thinking about our purpose and what could we do around environment? How would we bring to life as a brand these concerns. And so then we, um, you know, I guess partially because we, during the pandemic, we couldn't, we knew we wouldn't, wasn't the right time to launch a business. We really thought hard about what would be the five areas, the guardrails for eat the change. And then we went after them. And so one of course is plant-based food, plant and fungi based food. One is organic ingredients. One is thinking about food waste. How do we make sure we're using crops that we can use the whole food? Like if we're, for our mushroom jerky, we'll use the stem. We'll use the bruised mushroom, the small mushroom, any whatever, oversized. Um, another, and then also looking at water footprint. How do we make sure our, our, our crops are not like almonds, which require yeah. <laughs> over a thousand pound, gallons of water to make a pound of a product? And then how do we ensure that this business represents uh, democratizing plant-based foods? The goal is not to just sell, you know, uh, planet-friendly foods to um, the wealthy or the highly educated. Let's make them available wherever we can at affordable price points and at distribution um, in, in a way that makes it accessible. 
and they're really, really good. Uh, so yeah, especially I tried the carrot chews. Um, they're, yeah. yeah, they're super, super nice. And, uh, we're really excited about them. And you can eat them too, knowing that, you know, you feel good about it. And I think that the other thing is you've done an incredible job just on the packaging and the marketing, just actually educating. And I think more and more people want to understand not only who's behind the brand, but they want to know a little bit about the brand. And I think the transparency and all of those things you just cover really, really well. What do you think you've worked? You're an entrepreneur yourself. Uh, You know, you've worked in large companies, you've been on boards, et cetera. What do you think is something that as you're starting these new businesses, one or two things that you think are really the key things that entrepreneurs need to be focusing on? You've got a great idea. You've got a great product, but where does it fall off the rails? Uh, where do you think, where do you think, uh, like, you know, or maybe you're, you're counseling your, your kids who are starting businesses mm, or, uh, yeah. you know, what, where do you think is the, the key thing? Is it, is it investors? Is it marketing? Is it, uh, yeah. getting into, I mean, one of the things that I've, I said to somebody the other day that I noticed in building hint is, you know, there's, we had opportunities early on to be in Walmart. And we never believed, like if we went into Walmart too early, um, first of all, we didn't want to fail in, in Walmart, right. but we also believed that we hadn't been in other stores first. So there's like a, there's a, an yeah. order that goes on. Yeah. And I explain that to entrepreneurs all the time yeah. that, you know, it's okay to say no sometimes to retailers if it's not if you're not going to have enough SKUs, if you're not going to have right. you know, the right arrangement in, in some way. But what would you say is sort of the thing that you look at when you're trying to advise companies and entrepreneurs? I lean toward the consumer. I always, um, the voice of the consumer is what d- makes or breaks a business. And, and so I always want to feel like we've got the consumer on our side. One great example is, you know, with Beyond Meat, there was a few years ago, when they, actually still now, some interests, some some of the meat interests were trying to restrict the way we could talk about our product. They said, well, you can't call it sausage because there's no dead animal in there. Hmm. And of course, you worry about that and you do try to you know, do what you can to constrain that kind of legislation, which really is about restricting freedom of speech. Uh, but, but I always sort of re- knew that the consumer was on our side. Like, if this is what consumers want... You can make me call it a, a bathtub, <laughs> but you know, so addressing a consumer need to me is always the most critical piece. So for example, with our, our kids snack, the carrots, we, we um, looked at the shelf and we saw that what was mostly selling in the lunchbox for kids are these fruit snacks, which aren't fruit at all. They're, they're called fruit snacks. And yet, you know, well, what would be the answer? Of course, maybe you just sell raw carrots. Well, that's not where the consumer is, you know? Parents currently are buying more than a billion dollars worth of things packaged in a package, calling it fruit snacks, and it's empty calories. And so we had to find a solution that could basically function in the same way. It had to come in a package. It had to be five in a box. It had to work at, that a kid could you know, open up a little pouch and be able to snack alongside their friends. And that is what led, you know, obviously we found a way to make a, a much more nutritious snack. Our, our carrot snacks are made with carrots, not really. I was going to say fruit, but the fruit snacks aren't made with fruit. They're made with starch and tapioca. And, and so it was important all along the way to keep in mind the consumer. 
And and the other thing that's important, because of course I know you share this as as a mission driven consumer, you want to always you can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. And so on the one hand, we we say, wow, it feels wasteful to have five different pouches. What if we just did a bulk package? But once again, that's not what the consumers wants. The the parents buying this, they need those five little pouches. So one for each day of the week to put in the lunchbox. And if we ask the consumer to change too much of their behavior, if we say, okay, instead of buying fruit snacks, we're going to sell you carrots. But instead of selling it to you in five pouches, we're going to sell you a bulk bag and ask you to you know, then we lose them. Yeah. And so we've got to find, we've got to make it as accessible as we can. The same with Beyond Meat, right? We've got to make sure our product is a burger that behaves on a, a patty the same way. It, unlike the veggie burgers of the past, it has to hold up in a grill. It can't fall apart. And it still has to sizzle and it still has to give up. Literally, what is the noise of the sizzling of a Beyond Burger? And if I close my eyes and I and I'm grill, you know, if I'm grilling a, a beef burger and a Beyond Burger, do they sound the same? Yeah. And the color transformation, all these things that are, are part of the consumer experience. And so I always let that guide product design and, and thinking. Yeah. And I think paying attention to the consumer constantly and, and no matter what channel they're getting your product in either. So right. how, what's your feeling on direct to consumer, obviously, uh, you know, oh, when you yeah. started honest versus, uh, where it is today. I mean, what's your, what's yeah. your feeling on that? Oh, it's an amazing new opportunity. Yeah. For honesty, it just wasn't something that was around when we started. And then of course being so much in glass bottles, it was, even if we could do it, it would be really heavy and, and obviously worrying about breakage. And then with beyond meat, because the product's refrigerated and you have to worry about dry ice. Um, but today it's totally different. And of course, now with our mushroom jerky, which is in a packet and our uh, carrot juice, we can do more direct. So we hope to get there. Right now, we've just been scrambling to make enough for the retail shelf. Um, so I really admire what you've done at Hint. It's incredible how much direct business you have. And I, I believe we will get there. But we knew for our product, we wanted at least make a a presence in retail first and then you know we'll build out that direct over time but it's it's exciting to to see what you can do in terms of having that direct relationship with a consumer to be able to get their feedback to um learn their behaviors so much more so i'm looking forward to that part of the business yeah definitely it was game changing i think for hint i mean having yeah. that direct to consumer business and you know one of the things that i talk about in and the book I wrote Undaunted is that, you know, when things happen along the way and they will, you'll have uh, challenges. Um, our challenge was at Starbucks when Starbucks decided to change strategy and put more food mm -hmm. in the case. They had to make yeah. room um, for the food. And, you know, they very politely said, it's not you, it's us. And, you know, you guys are doing great. But yeah. it was suddenly we were faced with a situation where that was that huge chunk of business for us was going to be going away. And as I always say to entrepreneurs, it's like if you don't spread out what you're doing, when one of those, when somebody changes strategy and you're not going to be a part of that strategy anymore, yeah. having your own direct to consumer business where you can alert the consumer to the fact that you're no longer available in Starbucks, but they can still find you on mm. your website or they can, yeah. you know, go to these other retailers. It actually puts a lot of um, control back in your hands when these situations happen that you really can't do anything about it. 
Um, so yeah. I think it's it's a powerful uh, tool for all entrepreneurs in every industry to have. You know, we even have a form of that at Plant Burger because we have an app. And so we have that ability to have direct connections with our consumers. And, and so we, to the extent we can, you know, some of these eating uh, delivery services are super expensive. And so when we can interconnect with them on the app, we have the chance to gain a little more uh, direct relationship. And so that's also really powerful. That's awesome. So what is... So I'd love to hear a story where you had a challenge or a failure and all of these businesses that you've been starting or co-founding and helping. I mean, what what was one where you felt like, oh, this is this is a bad one. I don't know if we're going to get out of here. And what did you learn? Oh, my goodness. So many. Well, certainly the bottling plant is the one that's most emblazoned on me just because it's, um, you know, it was such a challenge. It was a, such a long period of time. But I think probably the the one that I'm uh, I still keep with me is the first time I had to fire somebody, and um, that that was a really um, challenging moment. And I I I don't um, certainly never like to have to fire anybody, um, but I will say that doing it, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I if I ever have to, as I've had to do it, I've gotten much better at it. And I think it's really important to do it well for the person and for, you know, um, certainly for the company. And uh, this was super early on at Honest T's evolution. We had a, a, a sales leader. We only had two salespeople. And one of them um, just was really super um, distracted. He, he was going through a terrible time personally. And, you know, in retrospect now, what it would probably have been right is have him take a leave of absence um, and, and sort things out. But it was literally like the worst case scenario for someone where uh, his wife had an affair with a priest and got pregnant. And it was just a, a sort of a horrific series of events. Wow. And but he did. He uh, I only found out about this sort of afterward. And so in the middle, I just like I just he's just not doing his job. And and, a, and as such a small company, we don't have the resources to. um you know, just sort of carry yeah. somebody. Yeah. And so it, I did fire him. Um, and I did it on a Friday. And over that weekend, I got a call from his brother. He had a heart attack uh, and was in the hospital. So I just felt horrible. Um, you know, what's nice at the end is that he actually recovered and went on to do great things. And I'm quite, I'm still quite friendly with him. Um, but, but that was just such a brutal time. And, and along the way, I just, um, I wasn't, as firm as I needed to be. And so, you know, clarity and um, clean decision-making becomes a really important skill. And, you know, like any, any startup entrepreneur, there were, those were skills I, I had not fully developed. Um, so that, that was certainly a challenge. Yeah. And, well, and, two things come to mind when you say that, and I totally agree with you that it's, uh, you know, when you, when you allow people like that to stay in your organization, it filters, right? It's uh, That's throughout right. the rest of the organization and That's you allow, right. um, you know, people who are not uh, coming in and giving 100% into the situation yeah. for sure. Uh, yeah. And also, you know, it sounds like you allowed somebody to go and do something that they were meant to go do, right? And maybe yeah. have a wake up yeah, call. It was, better, it was a better decision for him too at the end of the day. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Seth, for 
all of this wisdom and all of your stories. And uh, definitely, it's so fun to be with you. Yeah. And everyone order from eatthechange.com and uh, definitely give the carrots and the mushrooms. And I know there's other products coming out as well. They're really, really incredible. And of course, still support Honest and uh, Beyond Meat and definitely go to Plant Burger as well and uh, all things that Seth is doing. And we really, really appreciate you coming on. Where do people follow you, Seth? Oh, yeah. So I'm on Twitter, Honest Seth, and on LinkedIn as well. And of course, uh, Eat the Changes across all the platforms. Incredible. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to The Kara Golden Show, where you hear amazing interviews from great creators like Seth Goldman. And everybody should give this episode five stars because those algorithms love five-star ratings, and it just boosts Seth's episode up a lot more. This podcast is now trending globally as one of the number one entrepreneurial podcasts and uh, incredible leaders like Seth and creators like Seth can be found on our show. So I really, really appreciate uh, you coming on, Seth, for sure. And definitely, as I mentioned in the podcast, pick up a copy of Undaunted, my book. And uh, it's also on Audible, too. And we are here every Monday, Wednesday. And we're actually launching another day on Friday because wow. we've got so many incredible entrepreneurs that we want to talk to. And definitely, everybody, thank you again for supporting the show. And thank you, Seth. And have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. This is where my new book, Undaunted, comes in. This book is designed for anyone who wants to succeed in the face of fear, overcome doubts, and live a little undaunted. Order your copy today at undauntedthebook.com and learn how to look your doubts and doubters in the eye and achieve your dreams. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free case of Hint Water. Do you have a question for me or want to nominate an innovator to Spotlight? Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Golden. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.